0: this torah class is brought to you by torahanytime.com shalom and welcome to shabbos keratoni uh, number fourteen i am still i think oh, i'm officially the only rabbi as of last as of thirteen i'm uh, the only rabbi who's been at every single shabbos Keratuni. and uh, in fact I've been running the Possible You Seminar for 20 years with 10,000 graduates and the, my graduates got together and said, after the Possible You Seminar, your kind of life, your life transforms there. So they came out of there and they're transformed as individuals and then you wind up transforming your family and, meaning your wife and kids and, or the wife comes home and transforms the husband and kids, and everything transforms. So here you are, all transformed, except no one else is transformed. Just you are. No one knows you've been in a seminar transforming your life. Just you're transformed. And so what happened was these yidden one was a one was a therapist, one's a, one runs a you know an extermination company. Like they weren't. They weren't, organiz- they weren't like running giant organizations. They were just a therapist, a guy having, you know, with a pesticide company. Another guy had a financial services company. They got together and they said, with their wives, because their wives are also graduates of the possible and they got together with their wives and they said, what are we going to do for Kala Yisrael? Like, the Jewish people are hurting. We are, we are a post-war nation. We're the grandchildren of people who are tortured. I and mean, that doesn't fare well to be the grandchild of people who are tortured. You know, because people who are tortured have trauma. And people who have trauma, they either get that trauma worked out or they live their lives surviving trauma. And when you live your life surviving trauma, well, you know, you don't have... You you, you don't have the resources to do things in a healthy way. And so you create a next generation of people in trauma. And the next generation, it just goes down the line. You know, when you suffer, when someone's tortured, they they automatically disassociate. You know, when, when a dentist comes at you with a needle to numb your gums, you don't hang around for that. You put your brain on the shelf. Till the needle goes in. It's called disassociation. Some women disassociate in birth from the pain. Anything that causes suffering, we disassociate from. But when something's traumatic enough, God forbid, everyone should protect people from, you know, real being victims of, of serious abuse. Or if it's the torture of the war that our grandparents survived, the What happens is the disassociation can become permanent to where they're just permanently disassociated. So all that's left is their body and their Yiddishkeit, and they're going to rebuild Yiddishkeit and show those Nazi bastards. And we can give thanks to them. We owe our lives to these people who did that. Can you imagine trying to live your Yiddishkeit without a sense of self? Can you imagine how, how how terrible your Judaism would be if you were doing mitzvahs and davening every day without a sense of self? Like, who's davening? A yid. But who is that yid? I mean, how, how could you daven if it wasn't you davening? And then what happens is people lose sense, they lose a the sense of self. Now they don't really, they don't really have an eye. And so there's two ways to deal with that. Either go get help or create a whole hushkaffa around being cold and severe in your style. Cause if I don't have an eye, so then it's hard for me to empathize with the other it's hard for me to sense you in a sensitive way if there's no i you know like hillel said you know don't do unto others what's hurtful to you but if you don't have a you so then how can you be anything but hurtful and where and and of course you got this vacuum of an i where are you going to get your i so the answer is you'll just pull it out of your kids You'll just, you'll just suck the eye out of your children to get your own identity. And I literally had, had this happen once where I was, I don't know how long ago it was. It was like of two or three. I had this Hasidisha couple from Williamsburg come up to me and, and they were, uh, the husband was speaking on and on and on about his wife. Not nice things. And we were just standing out there in the lobby. I was like, feeling really bad for his wife, and he's going on and on and on, and and she's like turning red like a tomato, and I finally said to the guy, I said, like, how, I just wanted to change the subject, so I'm like, how long are you married? And he says, married, we're not married. So then I was like, is this his sister? So I said, who's this lady? And he says, oh, her? She's married to my mother-in-law. She's married to my shvigir. Because when his shvigir's mother came out of the war, she didn't have an eye, and she told her daughters that, you're going to make mama happy. You're going to take care of mama. You're going to love mama. And she just pulled out any identity that you all know as mothers today that your job's to pu- push it in not pull it out your your job's to like nurture the 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 identity of the children you don't, you're not there to take you're there to give I mean, who in the world would ever think in the, to take from a child we give to a child and it's not that they didn't give; they gave a ton. You know, they gave their whole lives for the gen- for the generation of children. But when it came to identity, they took. And so this guy's wife was caught up in that thing; she can't get out of her mother's house. And he was just—he married nobody. And so we created we created Shabbos of not that I created it, they did it without me, but they called me, they always call me to see what date I can be here. And so, based on my schedule, (laughs) you're all here based on my schedule, but based on my schedule is when Shabbos is, And the they called me in Yerushalayim, they said, we're creating a Shabbos to help people, to get themselves back, to find their voice, to live healthy, and happy and fulfilled lives. So today we're going to talk about desire. Aino Davraimed desire. Everything's desire. You have to realize that desire is one of the most hush of things in all of the world. And how do we know desire is the most hush of thing? Well, one of the ways we know is how many words there are in Loshana Kodesh for desire? Anything that has a lot of words, you know, is chasham. In all cultures, like in, for example, in in Alaska, there's 25 words for snow. Where the Eskimo, meaning Eskimos, the tribes that live in the snow, full time. So when we see snow, we're like snow. When they see snow, it's distinguished. There's different types of snow. Judaism. Yiddishkeit. We have a lot of words for desire. Uh, there's over 20. It's, it doesn't make sense we'd have over 20. There's, only a, there's a, only a few words that we have a lot of words for. Hashem, we have a lot of words for. Desire, we have a lot of words for. What? Love, we don't have so many words for. Simcha, we have a lot of words for. At. A lot of words for Hashem. Hashem has a long list of names. There's the main ones you're not allowed to erase, but there are a bunch of other ones. Like Shalom, is one of God's names. And but desire. Oh, uh, leader. You want to hear something interesting? Lashon Hakodesh. You know the principle? If 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 there's not a word, if the word doesn't show up in Lashon Hakodesh, it's not a real it's not a real thing. You understand? It's a it's a con- it's a human convention. If it's not a word in Lashon so the word for leader, we have over twenty words for leader. Guess how many words we have for follower in Yiddishkeit? Guess how many? Zero. Not one word for follower. A Talmud is a student. Once in a while, I'll get a chassid I'll say, a chassid, But the word chassid means devout. Which makes sense, because a chassid's is devoted to his rabbit. So, But yeah, there's no word for follower at all. At all. So what, what does that make? What's your job if you're a leader and there's no followers? So what's your job if you're a leader? What do you have to create? You have to create leaders. You're always creating leadership, and that's why you'll see some rebbe's. You know their chasidus lasts however long it lasts, never seems to build much. And then there's some rebbe's that it just builds and builds and builds and builds until it has to like split, you know, it's because it's just too much weight in one place, and they split. And then those build and build and build because because the rebbe's a builder. He creates leadership. Now, another reason desire is important is because Hashem created the world to conspire to your desire. Now, say that again. Hashem created the world to conspire to your desire. You know the word conspire, like a conspiracy? Where, you know, people get together to do something? It's called a conspiracy. I don't think after Corona, anyone doesn't know the word conspiracy. Considering that if you don't think we should all get shot by some syringe with some, like, God knows what inside it, that's, that's being tested only on humans... You know, you're, if you don't believe in that, then you're a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> it's like, I don't think so. So anyway, uh, the, the, so the word conspire means to get together. So the universe, God's universe conspires to fulfill your desire. And you know it's true. You know it's true. And that's what they say is in the way that a person wants to go, but what's the key word in that word? In that sentence, Adam Wherever your rutsan is, wherever your desire is,, that's where you're going to wind up. Now there's a serious question there. And the question is, why is it say malichin? Why is it in plural? It should say, that God, you know, whatever you want, God will take you there. And when do we use that statement? We use it when we see some guy doing the wrong thing. And We see him succeeding in it and we're just like, okay, that's what you're going to do. So God will bring you there. But it's, molichin; It's plural. The reason it's plural is because this whole entire universe is only made of malachim. And God programmed malachim to respond to desire. The malachim are actually programmed to respond to your desire. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands for this, but, so don't raise your hand. But raise your hand. Without raising your hand, raise your hand if you've ever wanted the wrong thing. Meaning it was you shouldn't be doing that, or you shouldn't be getting that. Raise your hand if you ever wanted the wrong thing. Now, if all of you raised your hand, which would be all of us, because everyone's wanted to do the wrong thing here and there, I would ask you to keep your hand. Everyone, keep your hand up if you succeeded in getting it. And everyone's hands would be up. Now, like, what's up with God? Like, God, why would God let us do that? And the answer is is that the whole entire system runs on desire. And so since your desire, even for the wrong thing, but it was a desire and a a focused desire, because there's a lot to do with desire. It's got to be focused desire. But because that desire got focused, well, that's what you get you're going to get it. And if you're not getting something you want, it must mean you're not focused. It must mean it's a mixed bag. You're 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 not really clear that you want it. Maybe you don't really want it. Cuz if you're not getting something, it's probably because you're not really focused on wanting it. Or you're scared to have it. Like you can meet someone who wants money but he never seems to get money. So for sure, his, does, he, he has money and some negative experience, some negative emotion wrapped up with it. Something happened when he was a kid. Maybe he got caught stealing, maybe he, got, maybe he was accused of stealing, he didn't steal. But something went wrong with money in that person's life. And so his desire for money does nothing because it's not focused. It's not a, it's not a, a clean desire. It's a desire that's mixed with, with fright, fear. Desire is... It's really the key to all of creation. And you'll notice that in the word desire, Ratzayin is the word, is the root. It's a two-letter root, Ratzayin. And what's the root? Resh Tzadik. What does Resh tsadik spell? Rats. Rats. It means to run. Why? Because you'll see, and this is, the, this is the key to motivation, you'll see that people who don't know what they want, they don't run. People who know what they want, they run there. When you know what you want, you run for it. You're, in other words, you're motivated to get it. But when you're not sure what you want, very hard to get moving. Very hard to get moving when you don't know what you want. And this is obviously a big issue for children. Did I say children? For teenagers, because they're not exactly sure what they want. In our community, we tell them what they want. But they're not even really sure what they want. And so... You know, it's hard to get them out of bed. Ladies, you know, it's a little hard to get out of bed, the teenagers sometimes. They're not sure what they want. You know, but I'll tell you this much, if they want to go to the, if they want to go to an amusement park on Benizman, is it hard to get them out of bed? They know what they want. So when you crystallize what you want, you run for it. And when you're not sure what you want, you don't. I've never used notes in a class ever, but I just gotta use a little. Another issue with desire is having your own desire versus what other people desire for you. You can't live off other people's desire. It just won't, it just won't go well. And so, And so it's really important that, that we crystallize what is our actual personal desire. Like, what is it we want? As opposed to what our parents wanted or our bubbas and zaitas wanted. You have to crystallize what you want. Now, it goes that our kids, Hashem, they want to be like us. You know, they, in the end, kids model us. And, but on the other hand, we rob them. We rob them of their desire because now they're just going with what we wanted as opposed to what they wanted. And therefore, it's really important for us to, to give our kids a sense of free will. I promise you, as long as you have a healthy home, your kids just want what you're doing anyway. That's all they want. Kids don't want to lose their main support. Kids don't want to lose their community. They don't want to lose their schools. They don't want to lose their cousins. They don't want to lose, they don't want to lose anything. They want that stuff, and not only do they want it, they need it desperately, and they know deep in their hearts how badly they need it. And so, but we rob them when we take away their sense of their own desire for it. That that we rob, we can rob them of. And even though you might have nachas, and we all danced at the wedding, and everything was great, but uh, I deal with those kids in their late 20s and 30s. They're like zombies. You know the word zombie? Zombie means like the walking dead. They're, they're just, they're not alive. They're not, they didn't choose their life. And now 10 years have gone by. And and they they just never really discovered what it is they want. And therefore, as we raise our children, we have to give them that sense of free will now for I'll give you an example of that uh, my daughters all have uh, have uh you know gone to uh, the, for school they went to a school called baseyan of Yiddish uh, in uh Urshalayim and after that after that they go to what's called uh yashan they go to yashan which is a big school a big seminary for uh Yerushalayim, Yerushalami girls. It's funny, this one's called Yashan, and the other one's called Yashan. Yashan's where you learn to sew, and Yashan is where you actually study things. So, um, my oldest daughter went to Yashan, and, and then the question was, what was going to happen with my next daughter? Now, where do you think my next daughter wanted to go? She wanted to go to Yashan. She wants to go where her sister went. She's All my daughters, five daughters, they've all been in like one system, coming up the system. They all want to go to that school. But every time it came up to one of my daughters going to that school, I stopped them right before, you know, when it's like time to apply, and I said, I said, you don't have to go there. You don't have to go to that school. That's where your sister went. I realize you probably want to go there, which is fine, but... You want to hear about other schools? You want to try another school? Do you want to do you want to see a picture of another school like different campus or something? And of course they all went to that school, but they but they were in their hearts, they were like, oh you mean you mean I I have a steering wheel? Like I can steer this boat of mine called my life. And I did the same with my boys. And my first, my first son, you know, when he was in yeshiva, I was like, he was in yeshiva and and he was not happy, not happy at all. And he had a couple brutal. This is in, you know, this is in Pinsk, Karlin, yeshivatana, and it's super, super. Um, High expectations of the Bacher. It's like Mamish tea 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 and it's a uh, full on Karliner davening at 7.30 in the morning, every morning. And, uh, you know, it's like can be an hour and a half on Torah reading days. And then it's uh, super high expectations and learning, like super high. Meaning, carline when you're a Bacher, just a Bacher in Pinskarleen. You learn four hours beretzev on cholamoid, meaning you, Yidam Shachis, we serve, we serve a little breakfast, and then you're, and then your you're, you're head's down in the Gomorrah for the next four hours. Anyway, so it was really important to me that things went well with my son, and I was young and dumb at the time. He's now married and living in Barapar. So, uh, but he's uh, a <laughs> It's a happy ending, but there was a point where he was like, you know, he just wasn't, he wasn't going anymore after a while. And his recal was just hanging on the door with his hat. And I finally realized that this boy needs, he needs some choice in his life. And so what I do? It was crazy and risky, but I went around to different campuses of other schools, all kinds of schools. And yeshivas, and I took pictures of the campuses. I met the I met the rosh yeshivas there in Manalim. I spoke to them, and then I came to my I came with my wife to my son's bed. What I'm talking about, my son who was wasn't going into yeshiva anymore, came to my son's bed, and it was a bunk bed. So he was right about at my height, and my wife's much shorter than me. She'll be speaking tonight; you'll see her. Um, the, uh, we both uh, came from Arizona for this, and um, and you know we're about his face height. And I pull out the camera, and I'm showing him pictures of campuses. And I'm and then when I finish showing him the different options, I cried, and my wife cried we both cried to him and said to him, we are so sorry that we made our name in Pince more important than you. We don't owe Pince anything compared to what we owe you. You're our child. And we betrayed you. And so you got to go to school so I showed you those schools. I've explained to you what they do in each one of them. I've met each of the principals. Whatever you choose in your life, I will back you till the end. I'm sorry. And he didn't say a word the whole time. He was very emotional, but I don't remember if he was crying or not. And we walked out, we went to bed. So the usual morning session is we got up, got the kids ready, got everyone out, and I went to I went to Toiva, went to Shahe's, and later that morning around 10 a.m., I decided to do the first round of trying to get him out of bed. And I go into his room, and I look at his bed, and there's no one there. And I look on the door, and there's no reckle, and there's no hat. And I went to my wife, and I said, Have you seen a rummy today? And she was like, No which means he's been up since, you know, he's been up since quarter to six or something to get to yeshiva on time. And he went right back to learn in Pinsk Karlin. About eight months later, I got a phone call from the Meshkiach. He says that, you know, in Pinsk, it's a big deal to not look up from a Gomorrah. Like, how long can you keep your head in? He said, I've been, teach- I've been the Meshkiach here for 20 years. Your son has the world record. He didn't... I, I, not that he he knew, but I've been watching him and say there He didn't lift his head for six hours straight. And he became Mamesh at Tamad Chacham. An amazing Tamad Chacham. He actually learned in a Yeshiva Yudherd of... Uh, for Yeshiva Gdolil, he went to Vilreich in uh, Antwerp. He was in Vilreich there. And... Uh, and so, you know, I'm, I'm really spending a long time talking about the importance of it being your desire. That's really important. And you may not have the answers for how we know there's a God or how we know that Torah is true, but those answers are out there. I've spent, I, I taught in Asia Torah for 29 years doing nothing but taking... Full secular groups, totally fry groups, rooms like this size. And the staff and I, one at a time, every hour, it's another one of us, proving God's existence and proving the truth of Torah. Be- meaning to people with PhDs, people with people who studied philosophy, people who studied science and things like the age of the universe and anthropology. Those people today are, those people today are Torah. And so, part of that is, is also that your kids are living in a generation where all that information is out there. You don't have to like just suffer through hoping Torah is true. So I'd just like to finish with um, I'd just like to finish with a little bit of a hint how to how to really like get what you want in life so there's uh, there's ten steps to really getting what you want in life and I'm gonna somehow share all ten of them as quickly as possible so good luck ready one two and three are Makshava Debra masa Makshova visualize what you want deeper. Talk about it, people who people who have a desire for something they talk about it all the time. Like for example, I know I know everyone's deepest desires for love and connection more than any other thing. Which you know, if you think Tay is your deepest desire or Hashem's your deepest desire, it's because it, <laughs> what greater way to have love and connection with Hashem without you know without and and uh, and Limude Hashem in Hasidus. Speak about the stuff. Speak about the stuff. So I, you'll hear, if you hear my Shirim online, you'll hear in Tor anytime, they're always, I'm always coming back to connection, loving connection, loving connection, loving connection. And being able to be a, a person who can receive. So, number one, makshava. Visualize what you want. Number, and obviously earlier we said crystallize it. Make sure it's clear. It's been crystallized. It's not someone else's, it's not your mama's desire. It's your desire. It's gotta be yours. It won't work otherwise. So visualize it, speak about it, do something, just a little ishtales, but you always gotta do something. Right? Alicia asked that there should be a little, I need a little oil in the tzluchas, and then I can, then I can do it. But you gotta do something. There's gotta be a little, little material involved. Little something. You gotta do something. The next is, you gotta keep Hashem in the mix. Because once you get really good at at desire, as you all know, you can want the wrong things. So that's number four is is you got to keep Hashem in it. It's always got to be yehi If it's your rutz on Hashem, I want it. Otherwise, I don't want it. So keep your desire aligned with Hashem. Number five is to make sure that that you are that you always use the positive subject. Whatever the subject is, is what you'll get. Whatever the subject is. So like, for example, if someone, tell me what's the noise here? However, what's the noise? If I say um, that I'm, what's what's the subject, ladies? If I'm tired of being poor, and I'm always talking about, you know, I don't want to be poor, what's the subject? Uh, The subject is poor if I'm tired of being sick, what's the subject? Sick. You'll find that... Have you ever noticed, everybody, that you keep getting more of what you don't want in life? You ever notice that? You keep getting more of what you don't want? You know why that is? Because you've been... The, the subject matter... Uh, you have access to the air conditioning? It's freezing in here. Yeah, it's too cold. Probably the other room's too. Is that the subject matter is what you don't want. And Hashem created the world to go with what you want. But what is the, what are the, what is the actual, what do the malachim actually grab onto? Meaning what actually gets traction? The nice. So if the noise is poor, poor is what you get. If the nice is sick, sick is, what, sick is what you get. If the noise is loneliness, lonely is what you get. So you have to be very careful to make sure the noise is what you want. Not what you don't want. Because it's whatever you want is what you'll get. So keep it clean. You have to make sure your desire is clean in how you share it. So that was number five, I think. Number six is when Hashem says no, when someone or anyone says no to you, so it's no, that's from Hashem. Anyone says no to you, that's from Hashem, walk away. Hashem's saving you from something. So anytime you get a no, you just back off. Don't be pushy. You get pushy, you wind up getting what you don't, what, you, what Hashem was saving you from. So you gotta be very careful not to, not to be a bulldozer with your a Hashem's helping you by getting there. You know what? I'm gonna leave you all with six for now. And there's four more. But we're not gonna do them right now because I'm overtime. Shalom everyone and welcome to Shabbos Karev 14.